listening to Life Change Church in Muskegon. You can join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.30 or catch us on Facebook Live. If you're here for the very first time here, we want to welcome you and the way that we can do that is, um, is give you a warm welcome. Life Change Church, come on, let's give them a warm welcome. At the end of service, um, as you exit the church building, um, as you're going through these doors in the back, to your left, right to your left, there is a welcome center. And I know that my wife and there's a team of people there that want to welcome you. And we want to share with you how much we love you. And we're thank you that you visited our house today, our house of worship. And we also want to give you a little a token of our love and that we can have an opportunity to give you a free pass to our cafe. So please avail that to you. I know that, you know what, God's going to touch you through the cafe. He's going to touch you through the service. I know he's got something great and prepared for you and your heart today. Isn't God good? He is. He is so good all the time. Well, today's message um, is really about well, a life filled with help. But before we get there, um, I want to just uh, share with you about this, uh, the, about giving and why we give and what God wants to do through the space of our giving. I know that this seems to be a time, especially for our guests, this most awkward space. But what we really don't know is why did God have serving why did God have giving? Why did God have uh, this opportunity to worship? Why did God have environments of church and small groups? The Lord has all these different environments in our life. And then, you know, and many of us find a place of resistance to it because we really don't understand what God has and what he wants to do in and through our lives. And what God wants to do is he wants to breathe in your life. And that every one of us are, we just, we have so much, we're so multifaceted, there's so many spaces and so many chambers of, of our heart and areas of our heart, and many of us are closed off because of hurts and experiences and frustrations, disappointments that have gone in and through our walk, and we've never experienced God in those spaces. And that God wants us and He wants to move us in, in places where we've never been before. I mean, what better way to brag about God than in this place where you know that there's no way in the world you got yourself there? God did. He breathed on you. He moved you in that space. In fact, the Bible talks about how the Holy Spirit moved. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Well, God moved on people. You think the Word of God, well, God wrote this Bible. Well, what you don't have to realize is that God wrote the Bible by moving men to speak and wrote words. He moved in their hearts. And you know, that same Holy Spirit that moved on, you know, on history in the past wants to move presently in and through our lives. That same Holy Spirit that lived in that era wants to live in this era. Amen? And so in 2 in Kings chapter 4, there's this uh, passage I want to talk. And some of us will, will blow through this reading. And if you read the Bible like I do, I love the Word of God. And sometimes we'll just blow through this reading and not capture what God was doing in that moment. In 2 Kings chapter 4, this is a, a moment where Elisha and this woman, this random woman, uh, it says this wealthy woman from Shunem. One day in 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 8, Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat she said to her husband, I am sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a team and small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. 
Then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. So it seems to be this, this random little moment that God speaks, and yet he's moving this woman to build a place because she feels the presence of God in this man's life. She doesn't even know why. She just talks to her husband and goes, look, we need to do something. I don't even know what, but we just need to do something. And so she builds it. What you don't really realize is that God is breathing today, moving today, has these little unctions, has these little urges. I call it the, you know, the itch that can never be scratched other than God touching it. That little moment, and many of us will just suppress it, quench it, grieve it or whatever, but not obey it. For instance, my wife and I are, at this point in our life, are, you know, our move to work in the youth group. Now, we haven't worked in the youth group for 26 years, and we certainly don't have the face of the youth, all right? But the point is, is we're following the Holy Spirit and His lead in this space of our life. We're obeying that, knowing that we don't know how long this season, we don't know what God, and we're not doing it because there's a need, we're doing it because God put it in our heart. And we're not here coming to you and asking you and, and taking an offering because we have need, we're doing it because we know this is what God, this is a space where God will talk to you. You have to understand this is God speaking to your life. Here's this woman, God speaks to her life. And now we're going to, cha- we're going to go four chapters later. Now, you read four chapters and how long does it take? Well, I want you to know this is like 14 plus years later. We went through four chapters and there's like 14 years passed by. And here comes the Shunem woman again. And, and, you know, and I, what I didn't get to is that, you know, because of her giving, God worked in her life to the point where she literally had a child, you know, and that she was so old, you know, her husband was so old and they couldn't have a child and she had a child. Well, in the space of that child, then that child dies randomly. Elisha brings that child back to life. And then there's this moment, in fact, I'm going to pick it up in 2 Kings chapter 8, four chapters, like I said, later. Elisha had told this woman, same woman, her husband's now dead. She's got this child. Her son's probably around 14 years old, 15 years old at this time, probably. Elisha had told the woman whose son he had brought back to life, take your family and more to move to other places. For the Lord has called a famine on Israel that will last for seven years. So the woman did as the man of God instructed. She took her family and settled in the land of the Philistines for seven years. After the famine ended, she returned from the land of the Philistines. She went to see the king about getting back her house and land. As she came in, the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God. The king had just said, tell me some stories about this great things Elisha has done. And Gehazi was telling the king about the time Elisha had brought a boy back to life. At that very moment, the mother of the boy walked in to make her appeal to the king about her house and land. Look, my lord, the king Gehazi explained, here's the very woman now, and this is her son, the very one Elisha brought back to life. Is this true, the king asked, and she told him the story. So he directed one of his officials to see that everything she had lost was restored to her, including the value of any crops that had been harvested during her absence. What I want to share with you is that 14 years before that, she's feeling moved to tell her husband to build us a room that she obeyed that. She doesn't know why. She just feels this impression to do this odd thing. to build. She, in fact, the Bible says, I think he's a holy man. She doesn't even have assurance, but she just has something inside of her. He goes, I'm supposed to do this. And I believe that many of you in this room right now, you know what, that God is all of a sudden, he's moving on you. Like my wife and I are being moved to work in the youth. We don't, you know what, we need to answer. We need to obey that space. He'll move on you to worship. 
He'll move on you to serve. He'll move on you to give. He'll move on you to go to a different gas station you've ever... God wants to move and breathe. It's called the Holy Spirit. And in the space of doing that, little did she know that 14 years later, that God was going to shape her life, even when, you know, in that day, that if you didn't have a husband providing for you, you didn't have a man, and it's not today, but in that day, if you didn't have a man of the house, you didn't even have a right to receive. How many realize that God is above what we can ask or think or even hope for? And God provides this space because all she did was obey 14 years later, 14 years earlier. What is God asking for you in your life? What is he moving on your heart to do? Well, Father, I'm thankful for those movings. I'm thankful for the breath of God in my life. I'm thankful that you're talking, that you're leading. In fact, this whole message series, God, is about that. So I, I pray that as we give, that you would bless the gift, bless the giver, as you did this woman of Shunem. You don't even give her a name, God, because that's not what's important, God. What's important is that it's you that does the work in and through our lives. And you included her in this historical moment because you want us to know that that's what you want to do in our lives. God, forgive us of our doubt. Forgive us for those times where we just shut you out when all you're doing is looking for a door into our lives. Thank you for these moments, even this very moment, what you want to do in and through our life and our giving. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, hey, all God's people said, be blessed in your giving. I want to share with you today is we're going to start a whole new series, a life filled with help. A life filled with help. If you could turn, turn your study guides. How many of you got study guides right now? Okay, raise your hand if you have a study guide. How many of you do not have a study guide? Put your hands on. How many of you do not have a study guide? Okay, we need to get you a study guide, all right, at this point. In fact, if we can get some people to help, hey, raise your hand, because in that study guide, there's some questions, and we're going to have a Jeopardy, uh, a, a little sound effect going on in just a moment. All right, go ahead, pl play that Jeopardy sound if you could. And what we're going to do is I want you to answer, answer these four questions that are in your study guide. There's no right or wrong answer. It's just trying to engage your heart with what God wants to do inside of your life, all right? Question is, do you need help in life? Do you struggle asking for help? Did you know that God sent us a helper? And have you had an encounter with God's helper? Just take some time. No right or wrong answer. Just take some moment with those study guides. If you don't have a study guide, please raise your hand. We'll get you one. Okay. All right, if you can, um, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 11, verse 9. Luke chapter 11, Verse 9. And this is going to be a passage we are going to go over for the next three weeks. And we're going to really talk about three words. Ask, seek, and knock. Today we're going to be talking about asking. And, you know, in the power of the asking, when God says things and does things, they're, they're so different than the way we do things. So different than our focus or so different than our experience. And it's talking about asking and seeking and knocking. And today in the, in the process of asking is asking the Holy Spirit for help. I wonder how many of us ever take the time to ask the Holy Spirit. Yet, very clearly, the Holy Spirit is a guide. The Bible refers to him as a guide. It revides, refers to him as a counselor. And I know that a lot of you need counsel. 
<laughs> Amen? All right? He refers to them as bringing things back in remembrance. How many of you have ever been forgetful of some things? Even scriptures or thoughts, bringing things back in remembrance. Holy Spirit will bring things. He's a teacher. And you know, some of us want new experiences and want to be taught. He's a teacher. He's also the power of God. The very thing. Jesus wouldn't have resurrected from the dead if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. Jesus, you know, Mary wouldn't have become pregnant if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. And so many of us just don't understand the importance of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you have a, a reference when you think about God. Obviously, you think probably of Jesus on the cross, a beautiful image of the plan of God. But the Holy Spirit is the one that inspires it. Holy Spirit is the one that instructs it. The Holy Spirit is the one that encourages it. Holy Spirit is the one that empowers it. All those things that the Holy Spirit does, and yet many of us have no real relationship with the Holy Spirit. We have no real understanding of even asking for help. And next week, we're going to be talking about seeking. Because let me tell you something. Many of us are, are lacking what God can do in our life because of these three words. There is things in the heavenlies, there are doors in the heavenlies that God wants to open. There are doors in the heavenlies that God wants to shut for your life. There are things that are generationally, there are things that the enemy wants to, Satan works in the heavenlies to bring into your earthlies. God works in the heavenlies to bring in your earthly life. And so the way God does that, and the way God wants to, is through your life, is you're asking, you're seeking, and you're knocking. It's a very important you understand the ask, seek, and knock. The Bible says, in fact, I've, been, I've referred to it over and over in this church. God says, my people, how many are his people? Perish because you lack knowledge. Knowledge means illumination of what God wants to do in, in the path of your life. And the way that illuminates is through the Holy Spirit. You can't read the first two verses in the Bible and not understand the importance of the Holy Spirit. And I love it. God says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the way God creates things is perfect. And then the earth was without form and void. Oh, it was a mess. And then it says the Holy Spirit brooded. I mean, that's just the first couple of verses. And then the next verses that apply about each day in the life, it says, let there be, which means permission. Which Genesis chapter 1 gives a perfect picture of what creation and cre you know, what Christianity should look like. I know that I'm messy. I know that you have a perfect plan and I'm messy and that the Holy Spirit needs to brood over my life and then I'm supposed to give permission for him to work in my life. That's exactly what Genesis chapter one is about. And that, you know what I love about it is it took days to unfold, all right? And so it's important for us to do is give permission for God to unfold his plan in our life. Luke chapter 11 Verse 9, I'm going to read from the Amplified Translation, so it's wordy, but it, what it does is it tries to take the impression or the, the message and tries to break it apart and really amplify, just like it sounds, amplify it, because how many realize that so many of us are just closed off to things of God? The ampl you know, the Amplified like, just kind of goes over there and burrows the thought, burrows the, the teaching inside of our hearts, all right? So I say to you, verse 9, ask and keep on asking, and it'll be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you'll find. Knock, keep on knocking, and the door will be open. For everyone who keeps on asking persistently 
receives, and he who keeps on seeking persistently finds, and to him who keeps on knocking persistently, the door will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Or if he asks, you know, if you then, being evil, that is sinful by nature, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your heavenly Father give the, say it with me, Holy Spirit to those who ask and continue to ask him? So this whole passage, and many of us have thought, well, that's really talking about referencing to get our prayers answered, ask and seek and knock. What it's really talking about is getting a relationship with the Holy Spirit so your prayers can be answered. I hope you really get a hold of that. You want your prayers answered. You want God's will in your life. You need the help of the Holy Spirit. And so a life filled with help means a life filled with the Holy Spirit. A life filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a a simple um, reference point. My wife, um, who has a, a passion for you as a church family, as I do too, we love you. And so what God's been putting on her heart, and we're talking about being led by the Holy Spirit, what he's put on her heart is to put a church picnic together. And uh, so she's been working on the outside. She's, you know, we bought a mower for the place. We've been trying to clean the place up, trying to take care of the back. She, you know, she's just been really diligent in preparation because it's into September we're going to have this church picnic. And so me, being the leader that I am, I'm going, why are we doing this? And what is the perspective? And what's the, what are we hoping to accomplish through all of this? And, you know, and, and, you know, and my wife, who's just being moved, her gift is moving by the Holy Spirit. Your gift should be moving by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it's just a puzzle piece. And, you know, every time you put a puzzle together, you don't sit there and argue with the pieces. You just start figuring out where the pieces fit. And then the next thing you know, boom, there's the picture, Right? But what happens is is sometimes you just don't really know and it doesn't have any formation. You don't really know what you're doing or why you're doing it. You're just doing, putting the pieces together. And so um, one of the things happened this week that was not expected. And uh, it was a a turn of events for the, uh, when it comes down to plowing for our church. And all of a sudden I realized I'm gonna have to get a plow truck. And I've had bad experiences with that in the past. And so I went, and I'm going, you know what? I'm putting on a search for getting a plow truck. And that doesn't really matter. But what God does is this is what I love. See, God will take little random events in your life, breathe on them. And so I ended up picking a place to go look at something, a piece, you know, a truck, and I found it in Cadillac, Michigan. And so we got a two-hour drive. And so Brent and I are talking about the picnic and we're talking about church and we're praying together and we're just having laughs together and thinking that we're going to go up. And, you know, when I asked her about things, I asked her about, you know, this, you know, this picnic. And so then we went to go look at this one truck and we took it for a drive and we're going, man, that thing barely made it back. I'm like, well, it's definitely not that thing. All right. And I'm not kidding. It was just, it's definitely not that. And then I called one of my sons and they're going over there. No, 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 don't, don't get that. And well, what, what we don't know is that in the showroom, is the answer to our prayer because we're asking and seeking and God, and then you know what? Guess what? The knock's on the door. So my wife, you know, if you don't know Brenda, she's just this vibrant piece of energy that just gets on her. She's, she doesn't walk, she strides. And she, you know, she's just always floating on air. You know what I mean? Just, and that's the joy of the Lord in her. I love it. I love it. I love it. So anyway, she's out looking for things. I'm busy trying to figure out how do I get this truck? 
You know what I mean? And, and she's out going through the showroom and looking at things because she's thinking about the church. And we're at Fox Motors, and Fox Motors, we've dealt with that business before in times, and they just do things with excellence. And all of a sudden, across the showroom, you can see my wife doing this. I got it! And I'm thinking, did you get the truck? Where is it? You know, that's what I was thinking. She says, no, I got it. And so she picks up this, this pamphlet, and she goes, this is it. This is the picnic. And I'm like, what the, where are you, where are you? you know, I'm just like, normally, she's, she's already five chapters in the book, and I'm trying to figure out the first chapter of read here. She says, you got, you, got, you got what? She goes, no, here it is. And it's care, which means, you know, what it basically is going, creating a remarkable experience. She goes, this is the picnic. This is it. And I'm like, I'm starting to get it, all right? I'm just starting to get it. What was going on is God was breathing inside of her. He's opening up. He's knocking down doors. She's seeking and everything else. And all of a sudden, some random place, two hours away from here, God would put us in the right place. Let me tell you something. That's our God. God wants to move you. Are you immovable? Are you so stuck in the space of your thinking, so stuck in the ways you've always done things, so stuck in your experiences of old? The Bible says, behold, I want to do something new in your life. And so today's message about ask, seek, and knock is ask the Holy Spirit. He wants to do something in your life. And what I mean by that, he wants to do something in your marriage. He wants to do something in your relationship. He wants to do something in your kids. He wants to do something in your health. He wants to do something in your finances. He wants to do something in your church family. He wants to do something in your service. He wants to do something in your worship. Let me tell you, there, in your chamber of life, you are so multifaceted. There's so much that God wants to do if you will let it happen. Genesis 1, let it be. Let there be light. Let there be firmament. Will you let it be? Or some of us, you know what's really amazing? Whenever we get hurt, that's when we lock up. And we ain't letting, we ain't, ain't hurting me again. I'm not getting hurt in that area ever again. I mean, isn't that really normal for us? Whenever we get messy or something is, first of all, we don't want to show God the mess. And it's the very same thing that God knocks on the door and goes, look, I want to clean up that mess. Can you imagine hearing God on the loudspeaker? Messy, you know what, aisle nine. Clean up the mass. And you know, most of us are going, we're going over, we want to hide from God in that space. And history tells us that's exactly what Adam and Eve did. I don't know what lane it was or what aisle it was, but all of a sudden when they sin, clean up, right? And what is Adam and Eve doing? They're trying to hide and trying to cover up their sin themselves. And God's, what is he doing? He's out there asking, where are you? He's seeking and he's knocking, where are you? Let me tell you why God wants you to ask, seek, and knock. It's because that's who he is. He's asking for you, he's seeking you, and he's knocking on the door of opportunity in your life. That's what he's asking in return. God's not asking anything that he doesn't first do in you. That's the relationship with the Lord. Let me give you some scriptures that just really kind of bust this wide open. And they're not in your notes, so just you could write them down, it'd be great. Zechariah 4, 6, then he said to me, this is what the Lord says, Zerubbabel. It is not by force, it's not by strength, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21 says, Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from a prophet's own understanding, which means he wasn't thinking about it, he didn't Google it, or from human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit 
and they spoke from God. Acts 1.8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father, I ask for help, Holy Spirit, that you would mix this message inside of our lives, each individual, those here, those maybe online, that it would be captured, that it would be understood, that it would be lived out, and that, Holy Spirit, you bring it back in remembrance in the days and the weeks to come, that our life would be a, a relationship of asking, seeking, and knocking with you, Holy Spirit. May it start, or may it can even further continue in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. In your study guides, number one, God does not want you to journey without guidance or help. God didn't want you on this earth to try to figure it out on your own. He wanted this journey to be with guidance. He wanted this journey to have a helper. In John chapter 14, verse 15, it says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you. First thing that you need to recognize is that God wants you to have a helper. Ever say helper. He wants you to have a helper. And so many of us want to do things for God. Even sometimes when we get really spiritual or maybe the framework of thinking that we're trying to be spiritual, one of the first things is, I'm going to serve God or I'm going to worship God or I'm going to give to God. And, and, and you know what? And it, the last thing we usually do is ask for help in how we do it. I remember uh, years ago, there was a pastor, uh, a youth pastor that worked here and and I, I, I would share with him, I says, look, don't do it for God, do it with God. And I've had to listen to that same wisdom myself. Don't do it for God, do it with God. And that means that every single time that you do, you just don't step out right away, you step and ask for help, you ask for guidance, you ask for strength, you ask for counsel, and then you take that step. Number two, many Christians miss the purpose in their life because they do not ask the Holy Spirit to lead their life, only to clean up the mess. I've, many times I've seen so many people come to me, and I'm thankful for the, that they do that, but they want God to forgive and, and clean up the mess, which I think is wonderful. But how many realize that God has so much more in mind than that? But he wants to go, and that's Genesis 1. You know, the Holy Spirit brooded over the life. And then what he did is he brought life into the days and the weeks and the months to come. But the big thing is, is will you give permission for that? Will you give permission? I have seen people go through so many, some hurtful separations in life. And the, one of the first things they'll say, I'll never go through that again. I can tell you what happened for me. I went through a, a hurtful experience with adoption. My parents adopted. I have a, a sister, 
named Hope, and I still to this day do not know where my sister Hope is. And, and so through that pain, my experience, the messiness that my wife and I, even when we were first married, we're one year married. We brought hope into our life. We brought her, we're in a one bedroom apartment. We're newly married and we brought her into our house because we just wanted God to move in her life. And we weren't equipped. We just felt, you know what? The Lord loves her and the Lord loves us. And, and so we did what we thought was best at the time. And the point is, is that uh, I remember through all of those hurtful moments that I didn't, I didn't want to adopt. I remember sharing with Brenda and I when we first got uh, married. I go, we'll, we'll never adopt. And she's like, okay. She wasn't even thinking about adoption. She wasn't, I go, no, no, you don't, we're not adopting. And I was speaking from my hurt. You know how many Christians I've heard speak from their hurt, not speak from the Holy Spirit? And I was speaking from my hurt. And so, you know, the, the rest of the story, if you know me at all, we adopted three kids later and the Lord just tested that whole space. Let me give you another one. Um, I was sharing, I had my, my son and um, his girlfriend, we were with them this weekend and we were talking about experiences and, and I, I remember experience, I built a retreat center years ago. Some of you would know us. Um, my wife and I built this retreat center. And maybe you don't really know, but the reason I wanted to build a retreat center is because God spoke to me in, in his retreats. And I just wanted other people to have experiences like God did in my heart. And in that retreat center, um, this particular one, we were at Big Star Lake, and uh, I was with my pastor, and, and I didn't even know, but I had a fear that um, I would have a, a, a handicapped child. That we were, I think Brent and I were married, you know, like maybe four or five years at the time, and we had a couple children, and, and, uh, but I had this fear of having a, a handicapped child. And there's nothing wrong, there's wonderful handicapped children. That's not what I'm talking about. I had a fear, and God is not in the space of fear. And I had this fear. Nobody knew it. Brendan didn't know it. I'm not even sure how much I knew it, but God did. And so we're in this retreat, and maybe like a church service, and all of a sudden you're here, and man, you feel this weight thing, God's talking to you. And we're laughing. It's a, it was a staff session and we're laughing and and uh, we're crying and we're just yucking it up and then we're and then we're praying and just a great environment where God could work and all along all this moment God starts knocking he's on my heart about this fear and you know what my everybody's no you, you what do you do you push it away you push it away you push it away and all of this is subconscious you know, I'm just doing this. And, and then we're getting in the room, and, 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 I'm, and it's getting stronger. You feel the weight, the wheel, the presence of God getting stronger throughout. And there's probably about 12 people in the room, and, and we're going around, and people are talking about their experiences and what God's done in their life. And the person right next to me, right next to me, <laughs> has a handicapped child wonderful mother to a young man named Todd. She loves that kid. And he's not even a kid anymore. He's a young adult. And God's dealing with me about a fear of a handicapped child. And all of a sudden, she starts talking about her love for Todd. And I start bawling. Because God's been dealing with me about my, say it with me, 
fear. And she's laughing. She's telling stories that are absolutely hilarious about Todd. Nothing that would make you cry. <laughs> I'm busy weeping, and I'm feeling very awkward at this point. And thinking, why are you know what? I, I don't, I'm like trying to sniffle and trying to keep it from one. I don't want anybody to know that I'm afraid of this. I don't want anybody to know that I am so, like, I feel so ugly inside. I feel, what kind of person am I that I'm literally thinking and don't want a handicapped child? What kind of ugly person is that? Certainly not pastoral. So I'm trying to hide it. I'm like Adam and Eve trying to hide my sin and my fear and everything else. And God's going, nope, we're going to expose this. We're going to expose this. And as she starts telling the story, now I'm at this point, I'm just broke. And it's my turn. I'm next. I can hardly talk. And I just confessed. I surrendered it. I let God in. Let there be. Say, God, whatever you want. Whatever you want. I give it to you. I am so sorry for being so protected and so fearful in this space. Thank you, God, that you can enter every chamber of one's heart you got, you, God wants to be Lord of all. That means that every space of your thinking, every space of your thoughts and your thing is full of faith. And mine was full of fear. I share that with you because I know that I'm in good company right now. I know if you're really honest with your God, you got things that you're hiding. You got spaces in your life you're not surrendering. You got things in your life. You may not even know it, but even as I'm talking, God's knocking. Because God loves you. God's never going to, one thing that God does, that God doesn't expose something to make you feel rotten and terrible. He, may, he exposes something to make you feel free. Never, as I was weeping before God, I had never, never felt more free in my life. That's the spirit of God, what God can do. Number two, many Christians miss the purpose in their life because they do not ask the Holy Spirit to lead their life, only to clean up the mess. They think by doing good things, God's pleased. They think by not doing bad things that God is pleased. God, our Father, has a plan and purpose for your life that will require the power of the Holy Spirit to lead you. God knows that you cannot fulfill His plan for your life without the help of the Holy Spirit. How many times have you found yourself asking for help how many times have you sought guidance from the Holy Spirit? How many, how many of you are afraid? And I, I know that, you know, that David said this, search me, O God, and know me. See if there be any wicked way about me. How many times do we even pray that prayer? John 3, 16 and 17 gives us a picture of Jesus. Now, I want you to, I think most of you understand if you have any History about Jesus is perfect. Why would he need the Holy Spirit? And yet the Bible depicts the importance of the Holy Spirit in his life. In John 3, verse 16 to 17, as soon as Jesus was baptized, went up out of the water, and at that very moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. 
Now let's just pick this apart for a moment. Jesus had never done any wrong. He had obeyed perfectly at that, to that point. And yet God has his son be baptized, immersed in the Holy Spirit. From that moment forward, the Bible says that Jesus' ministry began. So some of us, many of us are in this room right now. Maybe you don't even have a relationship with God. And the Lord will be knocking on your heart. In fact, um, I'm going to ask Pastor Mark to light that candle right now because before he does that, we've had somebody in our congregation, us elders, have been praying for, and this particular person who is around my age has literally pushed God away, pushed God away, but as of this last week invited Jesus Christ to be his Lord and Savior. You can teach an old dog new tricks, amen? All right. <laughs> light that candle. Isn't it cool that, I mean, here's that, I mean, I'm sharing with you that God, through prayer, opened up the space of this person to let God in. That's the Holy Spirit. He is the one that teaches us to ask, to seek, and to knock. Let me tell you something. No one ever chose God first that God didn't choose first. For God so loved the world that he chose the whole world to follow him. And yet so many in the world don't follow him because they haven't seen their eyes getting opened up to see how good, good father that he is. Number three, here are some of the ways the Holy Spirit helped Jesus for healing. Luke 5, 15, yet the news about him spread all the more. The crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. For prayer guidance, Luke 5, verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed for instruction of the truth, for leadership. What we find is that the Holy Spirit, and if you um, will walk and follow the pathway of Jesus, is because Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. So um, sometimes we have a hard time putting some of these passages together. The Bible says very clearly that Jesus did nothing but what he saw his father already do. That might be very confusing because it wasn't the heavenly father in physical form walking in front of Jesus and turning around to Jesus and go, all right, son, this is what I want you to do. What it was is that God the Father was anointing people, places, and things like he's always done throughout history. From the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation and after, God anoints People, places, and things. Anointing means a presence of God that, that only, you know what, that, that isn't man-made. It's a presence of his glory, a touch from our heavenly Father on a person, a place, or a thing. That's what God wants to do. And so what Jesus, as he's walking throughout his day, he sees in the spirit, not in the physical, he sees in the Spirit. His eyes are attentive. That's something that God touched, and he engages it. That's something that God talked to, and he engages it. That's something that God has a taste for. And he, Jesus, by the Holy Spirit's help, could see where Daddy's presence was and engaged what was 
and you know what? And through engaging what was, it became an is. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, without the Holy Spirit, you won't smell where God is. You won't taste where God is. You won't see where God is. You won't hear where God is. And you won't feel where God is. So what God has done is he's created this place called temple worship. By the way, your body is a, a temple. And he's given you five senses. Not so that you would exercise all those senses to know what's in the world. But yet most of our lives, we exercise all those senses to the things in the world. But what God wanted you to do is learn how to exercise those things in the kingdom. See things that you physically can't. Taste things that aren't there. Hear things. Smell things. Touch things. It's called kingdom. That's why Jesus said, pray his prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, you know what? Hallowed be the name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. God wanted our senses to know where the kingdom is so that we would be present where the kingdom is. Many of us are so caught up in our world and we have all our senses to be exercised what's going on here, but not in tune with what's going on there. And the only way you'll do that is through the help of the, am I say it with me, help of the, and let me tell you something. The only way the Holy Spirit's going to come is if you ask. And then how's your ask? Ask and keep on asking. Keep on asking. Next, we can talk about seeking. Because, see, you don't even get into the space of seeking, really in the space of what God wants to do in your life. Your seeker isn't even moving right until you ask. It's the first Space, it's the first step. So your first step in your walk with God is always to ask for the Holy Spirit. Then in that space, and we'll talk about more about this next week, is your seeker begins to sense things that you wouldn't normally sense. And then you'll start knocking down. You'll start seeing heaven come into your world. That's how it works. Always through the Holy Spirit. Always through the Holy Spirit. And the only way the Holy Spirit comes in your life is if he's invited. Genesis chapter one, the Holy Spirit brooded over the face of the earth. And I love how God the Father says, let there be. Are you given permission for the Holy Spirit in your life? Or does that just seem too weird or peculiar or awkward or you don't have any experience there? Well, great. Ask, keep on asking Surrender your life to the Holy Spirit. Watch what God can do. He'll, next step will happen. You'll learn it next week. Your seeker. You ever have it where you're trying to get to a radio station and the radio station's 91.3, but you're on 91.5 and all it is is static? Well, your ask is you're turning the station, you're on the knob, you're asking. And then all of a sudden your seeker will get, it'll move and the Holy Spirit will move it right to that station. That's the seeker in you. The static's gone. It's clear. And then you'll start seeing doors knocked down. And you also start seeing the devil shut out and God's 
heavenly gates open to your life. Ask, seek, and knock. Most Christians don't hardly spend any time asking. And even in their ask, they may ask a little bit, and God says, oh, no, you ask and keep on asking. Daniel, Daniel would be praying and asking morning, noon, and night. Morning, noon, and night. Father, I thank you for the space of who you are. I thank you that you didn't leave us here helpless, without direction. You sent a helper and that we need to have an ask in our life. Teach us your way in this, God. Many of us, Father, want to do it. We're, we're so self-motivated and so humanly, we want to do it without God and by our human will. It's so different to surrender and allow you, Holy Spirit, in. With your heads bowed and your eyes shut, and you sense the Holy Spirit on your heart right now, knocking on your heart to surrender to him. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe, maybe Jesus has just has been a word in your vocabulary and you know, kind of in a, in a misguided or misdirected way. Maybe it's all about being a good person or, or not doing bad things. But today, God's been knocking on your heart. It's about a relationship. And that you have a counselor, and you have a guide, you have a teacher, you have one that will lead you and, 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 re, and help bring things back in remembrance, to coach you. And you're sensing that coaching right now, that urging of right now to be authentic and give your life over to Him. Or maybe you've walked with God for some time in the past and you've gotten away, got on a detour. I know of a man myself this morning was on a detour for a decade and came back to God this morning. Maybe that's you. If either one of those situations are you, no one's looking around, your head's bowed, everybody else's head's bowed, but you sense God touching your heart to give your life, surrender your life to Him for the first or maybe return to Him. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Nice and high, that's me. Pastor Ron, please pray for me. I want to give my life to Him. Is there anybody in this room right now say, that's me? Thank you. All right, let's pray together right now. Say, Father God, in Jesus' name, we come to you and we ask you to forgive us of our sins. We pray that your guidance through the Holy Spirit might lead us on your right path. In Jesus' name, we are all yours. Amen. Let's stand up and worship our God together. If you liked this message and want to hear more, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Get more info at mylifechangechurch.tv. See you next week.